idea for all this really came from a dream? Yes, it did. Good evening and welcome to Nox Mente. Tonight's guest is Preston Dennett. Preston began investigating UFOs and the paranormal in 1986 when he discovered that his family, friends, and co-workers were having dramatic, unexplained encounters. Since then, he has interviewed hundreds of witnesses and investigated a wide variety of paranormal phenomena. He is a field investigator for MUFON, a ghost hunter, a paranormal researcher, and the author of 26 books and more than 100 articles on UFOs and the paranormal. Several of his books have been Amazon bestsellers, UFO bestsellers, sorry. His articles have appeared in numerous magazines, including Fate, Atlantis Rising, MUFON UFO Journal, Nexus, Paranormal Magazine, UFO Magazine, Phenomena Magazine, Mysteries Magazine, Ufologist, and others. His writing has been translated into several different languages, including German, French, Portuguese, Russian, and Icelandic. Yeah. He has appeared on numerous radio and television programs, including Midnight in the Desert with Art Bell, Coast to Coast, and the History Channel's Deep Sea UFOs and UFO Hunters. His research has been presented in the LA Times, the LA Daily News, the Dallas Morning News, and other newspapers. He has taught classes on various paranormal subjects and lectures across the United States. Preston, welcome to Knox Mente. Hey, thanks for having me on. Oh, it's our pleasure. Yeah, it's a great, great pleasure. In fact, you are highly esteemed, and so, and also deeply into dreaming. <laughs> I am. I love dreams. <laughs> I think I had met you at, um, did you do, I can't recall, McMinnville, Oregon conference, uh, the UFO conference down there. Have you done that one before? No, I want to though. Okay. I've, I've done UFO con, which is not too far from there, up in the San Francisco area. A uh, number of times. I've been all over the place. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know why I felt like I'd met you there. That one was such a whirlwind for me. I, I, it just was interesting, but I had this feeling I had met you there. Uh, anyway, so we're glad you're here. I, ho I hope all's well in your world. I was just listening to some of your recent stuff on your YouTube channel, which I subscribe to and love. So <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> With all that, let's get started. When you were very, very young in your identity as Preston, as far back as you can recall, what kinds of things stick out? What things do you recall now that are still there? <laughs> um, that's an interesting question. Uh, you know, I am the fifth of six children. Uh, so that had a huge effect on me, uh, living in a very close household. We were very, uh, a very close family. And it was really hard for me to separate my own identity, <laughs> really, from my brothers and sisters. Uh, I felt what they felt. You know, they felt what I felt and really had no sense of individuality until I became an adult and moved out, uh, honestly. Uh, so it's definitely a good thing. I mean, I look back on my childhood as one of great fun and, you know, wonderful adventures for sure. So except when my big brothers took me hiking up cliffs and trees that were too high <laughs> and 
things like that. I was always trying to keep up with the big boys. Yes. Uh, but Were yeah. you afraid no heights? Um, no, no, not until recently when my, again, I followed my brother up Mount, uh, Mount Baldy. And we had, there was this cliff trail for about a mile. It was just a sheer drop on one side. Oh my God. And it was a one foot wide, literally one foot. Oh my God. <laughs> I was terrified. No, I was terrified. It was my birthday. I'm like, well, I'm going to die on my birthday. <laughs> so yeah, uh, that, that got me into a little bit of fear of heights for almost a, six months, but it finally faded away. That's interesting. I, I don't like heights. I, I wouldn't even attempt that. It's impressive that you went and did it and pushed through. And it's interesting that it affected you for six months in a way that did give you a little bit of fear of the the heights, having yeah. not had it before. Yeah, I had a couple of nightmares, seriously. Ooh. Uh, uh, which you know, <laughs> I, I don't normally have. My dreams are not, generally speaking, scary. Let's, kinda, let's look at a couple of those nightmares before we go back to your early days. <laughs> Do you uh, recall them? Um, only not, not in specific you know, uh, narrative. Just that I was back there on the mountain. I'm like, oh, I thought I was off this piece of <laughs> man. Oh man, great! How long is this going to go on? Uh, so uh, brought it back all that fear of, you know, dying. <laughs> this was not a phobia, by yeah. the way. This was a real, honest to God, cliff drop. I'm like, Stephen, how could how come you didn't tell me? I would not have gone on this hike. <laughs> like, I didn't know. I didn't know. So, so yeah sounds like a mountain goat trail <laughs> it was i'm like why aren't we seeing any people oh nobody comes this way i can see why oh my goodness yeah. and i finally looked it up i'm like well you know about three people die each year on this mountain I'm like man it could have been us oh wow well and yet it wasn't so here you are triumphant <laughs> yes yes <laughs> a birthday triumph so, <laughs> Back in the young days, what was your relationship with nature? Did you have one? Oh, yeah. I was definitely very, I guess you would say spiritual. We had this pine tree behind our house, which stretched up at least 50 feet, possibly more. And I was just a little guy, you know, and I'd climb all the way up to the top of this thing and uh, just stay there for hours. and. Uh, loved it you know, really loved it we grew up in a pretty rural area uh, there was coyotes bobcat you know raccoon cougar deer yeah and, and we were always out there camping under the stars so i was always yeah very into nature and uh, what state still, was this this is very near where i live now california that was topanga canyon Oh, yeah, I know Topanga Canyon. Yeah, it's beautiful. Not as naturey as it used to be. Yeah. Uh, but still really beautiful. I grew up actually in Illinois, uh, outside oh. Chicago. And uh, where outside? Let's see, it's Waukegan. Waukegan? Okay, up north. Yeah. yeah. I'm from the south side. And uh, that was a beautiful nature area as well. Yeah, very much so. But, but uh, we. My parents got restless and packed us all into a giant camper, and all eight of us <laughs> traveled across the U.S. <laughs> Sounds like a Lucille Ball movie. 
<laughs> hey, or could have been. We stopped at every single, well, not every single one. We went through every state, uh, pretty much. Stopped at all the national parks, dipped down into Mexico, got stuck, got robbed. That was oh fun. <laughs> and uh, ended How up How old here. were you when that happened? Uh, I turned eight when we were in the camper uh, in Colorado at the Great Sand Dunes. So that was fun. But yeah, I was just a little guy. That sounds like a lot of fun to me personally. Oh, it was amazing. Yeah. Uh, Did you, so back there in these early days, what was the stuff that fascinated you that you sought out or wanted more of? And this can include cartoons, comic books, the stuff that held your interest. Shipwrecks. I don't know what happened. I think this might be a past life thing. Oh, wow. Uh, but <laughs> shipwrecks, I, I was, by the time I was nine years old, I was a shipwreck historian. Seriously. Oh, wow. I mean, Titanic, Andrea Doria, you name it. Edmund Fitzgerald. I've got a whole library on shipwrecks, and it kind of expanded to really any type of natural disaster. But so are, that, are you... Are you a Gordon Lightfoot fan? That's the biggest question. <laughs> Who's not? Yeah. Oh, I seriously, who is not? I love him too. <laughs> the Edmund Fitzgerald. That, you know, it's interesting. Shipwrecks have fascinated me because they're so eerie. The thought of anything underwater like that is so ghosty. And uh, I don't know. It, it really, we're talking about another plane you know, the underwater and then the process of a shipwreck going down and, and the drama that unwinds with that, the human experience of being immersed and all that. I, I have not been obsessed in the way that you were, but I'm fascinated by them. And I always, when I'm on water and I can look down, like in Huron Bay, in the upper peninsula, there's a lot of them right under the water. I mean, they're probably, you know how water makes things look not as deep, but they're, they're probably down, but you can see them clearly and they always give me a chill somehow, but a chill that is a mysterious chill. Wanting yeah. to know what went on. I love them. Anything to do with the ocean. I was going to become a marine biologist. Uh, just really interested in the ocean and shipwrecks and ships and but volcanoes and earthquakes and disasters and pandemics and uh you name it if uh you know alive remember the andes survivors yes <laughs> um, I, i've got every book on anyone lost in the wilderness that i can find i don't know what it is uh, well it says a lot about your uh your sir i've got a wolf howling here says a lot about where you are now in such a great way. And I love you're one of the people that really digs into the USOs, That's which right. I love. I'm there's something for me there. And it was the first way I was able to access uh, that information about everything that you do now in the world, but before I knew who you were, but it was a way for me to access the idea of others via other beings was through the idea of the water, the deep water, especially. And so 
That's interesting. When you were young, before we get, this is just the foundational, so we can build a house from here. Uh, did you have any fears that were going on? You know, the, the typical ones like in the closet or under the bed, the dark. Uh, no, starvation, maybe. <laughs> uh, <laughs> just, you know, I, I have a lot of past life memories, I think, as how I interpret this. And uh, just had this real fear of disease and starvation and dying. Yeah. Uh, I don't know where that came from. You know, it caused some concern, not really among my parents, but sometimes at school. And I'd write stories and the teacher would be like, this story has got an awful lot of, you know, mature subject matter in it. <laughs> <laughs> and my parents always laughed. They were super supportive and very loving and they understood. Yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, wasn't a really fearful person growing up. I felt very protected. Uh, we were a very strong family unit. You know, got a little sister, a big sister, three older brothers. Uh, my parents were really wonderful parents. Uh, I was very blessed in, in a lot of ways. Uh, they weren't angels by any means, but wow. uh, did really well. It must be hard, yeah, having that many kids and everything. Jerry? Oh, you look like you were going to say something. I was going to say, yeah, I was disagreeing. No parents are angels. Just <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but having that many kids and all that, this was one of the things I came to later on in my life was how, when you look back, how young they are, really, with, you know, trying to raise other humans. It's, we always have to give our parents a little bit of slack. Uh, and so... Also, back in this er these early days, what was your relationship with dreaming? Uh, I was always pretty much into dreams. I didn't really know what to make of them, uh, but I remember very early. I remember my first dream, uh, actually, that I could recall. Because at one point, I actually went through. I became very obsessed with dreams. Uh, I started getting messages through them and uh, precognitive dreams and visitations and all kinds of weird stuff. So I started writing everything down and I'm like, all right, let's go all the way back. Let's go back far as I can. And I remember some very early dreams. Like one, I remember I must have been five or six because this was in our very first house. And uh, yeah, I was six years old and I lived there. And it was, I, I thought I saw you know, something in the house, a ghost or something, but it chased me outside. And I ran up onto this little old fashioned telephone, like a little old telephone pole with a, I don't even know how to describe it, the black metal, you know, the old, really old fashioned. Yeah. Oh yeah. The ones that you stick your tongue to when you're little. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we had a neighbor across the street who had a weather vane uh, with a rooster and uh, it was turning in the wind. I thought, oh, that's a ghost turning that. That's a ghost. So it was a little bit of a, I mean, it was a very vivid dream for mm -hmm. sure. Uh, did, was it, did, was it scary? Yeah, I would say it was kind of scary. Um, How old were you? Yeah, I could not have been more than six, but I think it might've been actually five. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was really the earliest dream I can remember. Did you, well, did you come from a religious household? <laughs> well, yes and no. Uh, my parents were raised, I think it was Catholic, and uh, all my brothers were br brought to church. I wasn't. They rebelled at some point. 
and I've <laughs> never been to church. Uh, it's funny because one day my dad comes up to my mom and he says, I've got a confession. I haven't been taking the kids to church. <laughs> Every <laughs> Sunday we go to the gas station. I fill up the car, you know, and maintain it and give them ice cream. Oh, I love your dad. <laughs> and my mom laughed really hard. She's like, you know, I have a confession too. <laughs> she says, I haven't been going to church either. I take the kids to the park. <laughs> oh. Let them run around. So, uh, yeah, they oh, kind of that, rebelled. Yeah, that's interesting. That's fun to hear. Uh, you know, it's a gift in the end because it allows you the freedom to kind of go where you need to go spiritually. Oh, I I'm, think. Yeah, I feel really blessed because, I, you know, I, I know some people who are very religious and they're wonderful people don't get me wrong yes of uh, course but i know some people who are very religious and it, and it limits their thinking in, in ways yeah it really does you know in terms of life after death or ghosts or ufos or anything that doesn't fit into their worldview first thing they do is they turn to the religion for answers yeah uh, yeah that's that's what I'm talking about, Preston, is good, like in those formative years to just, in my opinion, let the children kind of enjoy their imaginations and, and find themselves. And then I find that people that weren't raised in a religion oftentimes are deeply, deeply spiritual. I am, and I wasn't raised in anything. I'm, I'm very spiritual in, in, a, in a seeker kind of way that it, that includes a reading of the Bible and understanding of those kinds of tomes that I may have rebelled against. Yeah, it took me years and years to finally pick up the Bible, but I did read it. Well, some of it. It was yeah. pretty hard, hard reading. Oh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I started getting interested in all these spiritual writings. I read yeah. Butler's Lives of the Saints. That's like a, let me see, a five volume uh, set with each has a thousand pages or something. But it was fascinating stuff. I mean, these saints from ancient times, you know, medieval times all the way through Renaissance and so on, had all these extraordinary paranormal experiences. I'm like, wow, this is really cool. So I did that from a study angle, really. Yeah, that's me too. And I have found from, from an academic level, looking at all the different tomes, the Bible included, it's... There's so much content in there. If you're coming from, from these angles of looking at points of consciousness, looking at, at these narratives and these stories from a different angle than, say, one of uh, worship. It, there's, a, there's some sort of they take you somewhere. And maybe they take other people other places. But I have found them to be deeply uh, meaningful in those ways and opening up new gates of perception into the world, the bigger world around us that houses ETs and ghosts and entities and all that, that wonderful stuff that I'm into. Yeah. Boy, the Bible is filled with all that kind of that stuff. It really it, is. It is a spooky, it's actually <laughs> a spooky tome. <laughs> so, all right. What about, so when we go into your, into your early days of dreaming, what, did and this may just apply because it may have never changed but how did you encounter the dreamscape color taste uh, all that kind of stuff yeah i've always been a very vivid dreamer uh did at some point i did start having lucid dreams but that was a little later on uh at this point no 
yeah, yeah, full color, a whole range of dreams, not a lot of nightmares. Um, as a young man in puberty, I started, had my share of erotic dreams. Yeah. Oh, which yes. Were, which were amazing. I, I love, love that. <laughs> I'll hail the, the beautiful erotic dream. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Some, some of my best experiences, I have to say, I've been, been in the dream state. <laughs> yes, I agree. I'm with you on that. Uh, so, yeah, I was, I, I'd say I was on a sort of arithmetic curve, get, becoming slowly more and more interested in the dream state. But the problem is I I grew up very skeptical of all things paranormal. I didn't believe in anything that I couldn't touch. I was a materialist mm. and did, did not believe in life after death. Didn't believe in precognition or ghosts or UFOs or anything paranormal. And it's funny because at age nine, I had a really strong paranormal experience and shrugged it off. Even, you know, I had witnesses. My sister was right next to me. We were watching a game show called Treasure Hunt. And I don't know if you remember that, but it's an old game show where they would have like 80 boxes and one had the check in it. And you had to pick which box had the check in it. And that was sort of the end game. But I looked in the audience. I'm like, Victoria, that lady on the third row, she's going to be picked. And she was, and we laughed. And I'm like, oh, and this is the canister with the flowers in it. It's the third one. <laughs> and it was. And I suddenly like knew which box the money was in. I'm like, it's 78. It's 78. <laughs> and my sister's looking at me like, are you kidding me? And I'm like, I'm telling you. And sure enough, it was. And we just rolled laughing and didn't know what to make of it. I didn't even really think of it as paranormal. I had no way to label it. Uh, and it was just a one-off, so I didn't really understand it. it was... I find that fascinating, Preston. Did, had you, prior to that, though, been able to, without acknowledging it or realizing it, had that kind of thing happen, like you knew the phone was going to ring or stuff like, you know, the little things? Not really. You know, my dad would have that sort of thing every now and then. He was super skeptical, too. Uh, just weird things. I remember he, Obama appeared on, you know, Obama first appeared on the scene. He's like, that man would make a good president. I'm like, dad, he just became senator. What are you talking about? And uh, oh, wow. another time we're driving along and he's teaching me and he says, we were behind a truck. He says, you never want to drive behind a truck because they will spit up gravel and it can break your windshield. And he moved out from behind the truck in, front, in behind a sports car, which sped off and hit up a piece of gravel, which hit the windshield and broke it. Oh. <laughs> What's that? You just said that. <laughs> wow. <laughs> this is interesting. So it seems it's definitely there's a connection there. I like that. It's like a familial thing between you and your father. He had this. Did, was he always aware of it? he was tapped in like that no he was skeptical you know when i started to get into these altered states of consciousness you know lucid dreaming out of body experiences uh he's like i should have taken you to church <laughs> like dad no this is, this is interesting uh, he just didn't believe in life after death or any of this stuff and i would point out to him his psychic experience he's like eh i'm like you predicted that <laughs> he's like eh. 
Okay. Yeah. That's what I was asking. So when he would say these things and they would come to pass in some way, he just, it was still, it was just like a coinkadink. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> that's interesting. I, I love it when skeptics, you started, I started out very skeptical about things as well. I was not about a lot of things, but some things, certainly I feel like I had the wool over my eyes. And so in the dream space, when you were younger, what were the first dreams that really started to pump up your imagination? Like how far, how, what age range were you in there where they started to be something that you were interested in? Uh, really not until I was, I would say late teens. Uh, I, I was definitely aware of dreams, but I kind of thought of them. I think in the traditional model is, you know, you watch a movie, you dream about it. You know, you have a fear, you dream about it, or you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it's sort of that it would reflect perhaps, you know, your uh, suppressed desires, um, yeah. something to do with your psychology or something you had seen that day. And I certainly recognized that. And I thought, okay, dreams are weird, but I'm not really into weird stuff. Uh, but yeah, at some point it did happen. I remember my mom shortly before she passed away, I, I was like 18 years old. She says, have you ever read Carlos Castaneda? <laughs> and I said, no, no, who's he? She's like, oh, you have a treat. You have a treat in the store. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay. And tragically, she, pa she passed like a year later. I was 19 years old and she was 49. She had a massive heart attack and uh, poor thing. Yeah. It was what a shock that was. It's terrible. Uh, that destroyed my world. <laughs> I yeah. could not believe it. I was a mama's boy. I loved her so Aww. much and uh, could not re reconcile that she was gone. Mm -hmm. And I saw her, you know, I saw her ghost <laughs> at the uh, service and I thought, well, you know, I have lost my mind. I am hallucinating now. And I looked at everyone on either side of me. No one seemed to notice anything. This was a full color apparition just a few feet away from me in the car as my dad drove up. And I could tell it was her. You know, she, I saw her. She was, she's always had a great posture. She was standing, sitting very erect. I'm like, yep, I've lost it. I am hallucinating. I've never hallucinated, you know, like that. She was in the car with your dad? Yep. Front seat. Cool. And what, was, was she, was she, was she like, did she appear to be solid? Yep. Like fully there? Wow. Totally solid in color. And I, and it faded away. As I got real close, it kind of pixelated away. And I thought, okay. Oh, that's I'm, interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm in grief. That's what that is. And it was, I'm going to say another year when I was in bed in my room and I woke up, sat up in bed and my mom walked in or she walked in and I woke up. I'm like, mom, I thought, I mean, you're dead. What the heck? And, and she just kind of looked at me and smiled and didn't say any words out loud really, but said it's fine. Kind of with her eyes. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And I jumped up to hug her, I think. And, and suddenly I, I woke up for real. I'm like, oh, oh, that was a false awakening. And I, oh, which yeah. I did, 
had not heard of. Uh, so I'm like, wow, what just happened? Because I knew it was her. As skeptical as I was of life after death, when you meet someone, you know it. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I think I just saw my mom. <laughs> but that can't be because there's no such thing as life after death. So I am really cracking up here. Nobody will ever know this. And it happened again. And it was always the same. It happened over and over and over again. I'm going to say 20 times. In that and, same period of time? Yep, over about a year. Mm -hmm. um, it was you know, pretty constant, pretty regularly, every couple of days, every week. Because I was in grief. I was waking up crying. I was going to bed crying. Mm -hmm. I was really having a hard time with it. I wouldn't let anyone out of the house. I'm like, no, go, you'll die. Yeah. So, uh, I was having a lot of fear. Uh, yeah. So she kept coming to me over and over again. And that's what got me interested in dreams. I thought, you know, maybe this is real. Maybe there's something to this because I cannot believe that this is not her. And it was so weird because I, I was always sure I was awake. And I go through this whole kind of theory escalation, like, what happened? You know, I was sure you were dead. I must be wrong. <laughs> How could I have been wrong about that? I guess I was. Uh, and it was, and then I'd wake up for real. And sometimes not for real. I'd have to go through a series of false awakenings. Yeah. Uh, and I'm like, okay, am I awake now? <laughs> and that's what made me, I think by that time I was pick, I picked up Carlos Castaneda's book. Uh, which had an exercise to get lucid in the dream state. Look at your hands. Yes. And, and I couldn't do it. Just couldn't do it. And so I started picking up more books on dreams. And uh, I wasn't happy with them. I didn't like the books on dream symbolism. I thought they were, they were terrible. Mm -hmm. And they didn't match. And uh, all right. So that's what I'm like. I think I picked up the book on, on uh, Jane Roberts and mm -hmm. Seth, Seth Speaks and ended up reading the whole series, uh, which was also about dreams, big on dreams. And that's when I said, all right, you know, there's something to these dreams. I know there is. And uh, so I started becoming really interested. I'm like, all right, I'm going to start meditating. <laughs> and I'm going to write down all my dreams and see what happens. And boy, oh boy. It changed my life. Uh, I could not believe the shift I was going through. My whole family started to really get worried uh, because I would have, I was obsessed with dreams. I wrote down every dream I ever had and I analyzed them. And what I realized was that the vast majority could be explained as some reflection of my fears or desires. Usually, you know, unobtained goals, unobtained desires, and uh, unfaced fears. <laughs> so I was having, looking at the, the dreams that way, thinking, okay, they're psychological, until I had my first precognitive dream, mm. uh, where I saw a friend on the roof, uh, roofing her house. And I thought, wow. Oh, you know, I didn't think anything of it until I went up to her house and there she was on the roof <laughs> um, putting tiles on. And I got this weird feeling of deja vu. Yes. 
and it suddenly swept over me and I got this, I'm getting chills right now because that feeling I got was like, oh, this is my dream. Yes. This is my actual dream. And the whole world kind of became really sparkly and dreamlike <laughs> and it very fluid almost in a way that is very hard to describe. And uh, I'm like, I dreamt this. <laughs> I actually dreamt this. And I, that's when I started to realize dreams could come true. Um, what's yes. long after that, I had another dream that I saw these little animals in cages. And I thought, well, this is terrible. <laughs> you know, I love animals. And I'm like, what is going on? You know, why am I dreaming this? Because I'm really trying to find out what dreams mean. And I uh, could, could usually track them down. And this didn't mean anything to me. And I thought, okay. And I was at work. And I just thought, you know, I'm going to take a walk. I'm just going to take a walk. I hadn't done that. And I'm walking pretty far down Ventura Boulevard. <laughs> you know, it's a, uh, got shops on either side. And I walked mm -hmm. up to this shop and looked in the window and got that flash, that weird feeling of walking into a dream because I saw it. It was these little animals in cages. It was a pet store, which I didn't even know was there, <laughs> by the way. And I'm like, oh, and I, reeled, <laughs> I, yeah, I reeled back and got that really weird feeling like I'm walking in a dream right now. And I know what's going to happen. And that's when I started to really started looking into precognitive dreams. There was nothing out there on the subject, uh, really in terms of, you know, specific, you know, a whole book on just precognitive dreams. Right. Uh, there's still only a few out there. I'm going to have to write one. Yes, you should. Uh, 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 but I learned how to have them. I really did. And if there's a technique, I ended up writing an article about it, how to have precognitive dreams. And I tell you, it works. And it's so stupid and simple. <laughs> Um, really, the method is dream recall. If you can recall about four dreams per night, one of them has a very high chance of being precognitive. Yes. If you, and if you can get like, if you're up to seven, just about guarantee, you know, you're going to have precognitive dreams. Yeah. This is fascinating. I've been talking about this a very long time. It was one of those things that hit me the same way. I have been able to tie all my deja vus into dreams back in. And, and anyone that's followed the show knows this. I, I have always talked about that's my connection with deja vu. I have always been able to pull back into a dream. And I'm not sure if this has happened for you, Preston, but there have been moments and a lot lately where I'll, I'll get into that deja vu magic and press into it and know that I had dreamt somewhere. And when I've been able to locate some of these recently, they've gone back to my early childhood. Oh, wow. Now, most of my cognitive dreams happen like the next day, maybe a couple of days. I do remember one where I did exactly what you're talking about, kind of got that feeling of deja vu and leaned into it and you know, let it wash over me and just kind of basked in it until I remembered the dream. Yes. And I was at work and uh, my boss walks in and stands in front of my desk and I says, I just saw a UFO. It was big. It was yellow. It was a disc. Oh, it was so amazing. 
And I suddenly remembered the dream, which I hadn't remembered up to that point. Uh, and I'm like, wow, he said word for word, exactly <laughs> my dream. The only difference was in my dream, he was for real, you know, he wasn't kidding. But in yeah. reality, in reality, he was uh, kidding. He had not seen a UFO. He was just joking around with me. Yeah, these are the things that why the books bothered me in the beginning. I was so into dreams as a little everyone bought, bought me books on dream symbols and all this. And like you, they were all just, they all fell short and <clears throat> they still do. Uh, but those kinds of details are very important. The animals in the cage, well, it's a pet shop. And so it's so, this misinterpretation is is ripe. It's easy to misinterpret symbols. And then the fact that he was, you know, having a satirical moment with you in real life, but in the dream, it didn't seem that way. And there's a a strange vesica pisces there the overlap between what is apparently real life and dream life where those kinds of things don't translate so easily i have found yeah it's funny i would have i started to recognize the precognitive dreams that just had a certain quality to them uh that they were realistic and they yes. didn't reflect anything that i could attach to uh, but they were usually something i was very interested in whether it's shipwrecks, you know, disasters, I would dream about them before they occurred, or anything to do with animals, which I'm obsessed with. I love animals yeah. and things like this. And I remember one dream where uh, I was, a, let me see, I was attacked by a baby goat. <laughs> and I saw it at the bottom of the driveway, and this darn goat runs up to me and knocks me over. And I'm trying to hold it down the... <laughs> what and i woke up i'm like okay that was a weird one that could not possibly come true and if it does this is going to be you know i'm going to be a little afraid i'm like okay okay i i don't know what this dream means and uh now i know i probably would label that as precognitive because that's a real cue for me yeah if i can't like place it somewhere but i couldn't i'm like there's no way this is going to happen i'm not going to be attacked by a, a a baby goat. It's just not going to happen. And I watched the news that day, and this there was my dream. And I watched, <laughs> you know, a lot of TV, and so a lot of my kind of dreams would come true on TV. <laughs> and this guy had abused his goat, kept it chained up, and this darn thing rammed him and killed him. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> yes, I'm like wow. And you know, I started. I'm like, people, oh, that's coincidence. I'm like, no, you start to look, you get a feeling. And that's really what I go by. But I mean, like, it can't be just one detail. It's got to be a more than one. If it was just a goat, I'd be like, eh. But no, it's a goat. It rammed him. It killed him. It attacked. It all fit in. So yeah. there's like, I'm like, wow. So, yeah, I'm precognitive dreams are the bomb. I love them. I call it waking lucidity. Uh, because yes. you know that feeling you get when you're in a dream and you suddenly become lucid within the dream? Yes. Um, and it, boy, I, we haven't even got into that yet, but waking up inside of a dream was stupendous. I couldn't believe it. I mean, this was like a whole new world. This yeah. was more vivid than reality. Uh, and uh, just 
this flood of lucidity. I couldn't believe it. And so that's the feeling I get when a dream comes true, when a dream comes true. I get this sort of flood of lucidity and I'm like, oh, I've, you know, now it's come full circle. I've woken up in the dream state and now I'm walking into a dream in the waking state. Yes. And you're yes. becoming even more aware. Yes. And I remember I like started to get to the point where I'm like, all right, I've got to tell someone these dreams because no one is going to believe me. You know, I was telling everyone, I'm like, yeah, crazy. And I'm like, okay. So I had a dream and I'm like, this one's going to come true. I know it's got the flavor of it. And uh, I dreamt that I was flying over the Arctic and I looked down and they were pulling something out of the ice and they were digging it up. I'm like, wow, this looks really interesting. And uh, suddenly they pulled out this block of ice and it was in a helicopter, dangling from a helicopter, a big square piece of ice. And it was a woolly mammoth. <laughs> And I thought, wow, you know, in, in the dream, in the dream continued, they sliced it open and uh, did a sort of autopsy, I guess, and pulled out these, it's the contents of its stomach. And there were all these leaves and branches and sticks and stuff. And I saw them on the table. I'm like, wow, that is amazing. And I woke up and I'm like, that's, that's one, that's one. And I called Christy, my sister-in-law, because she helped me through my whole spiritual awakening. She was very, is very spiritual. And uh, really helped me with all this because it was difficult, a real difficult adjustment in the beginning. And I'm like, Christy, I had one, you know, they're gonna discover a woolly mammoth in the Arctic. I know it, it's gonna be on the news. I guarantee it, write it down, tell everyone. <laughs> and uh, it, I think it, was, it wasn't the next day in this case, it was, couple of weeks later and just just to see that image of that helicopter carrying that frozen chunk of ice with that mammoth in it i'm like wow i knew it i knew it yes <laughs> so i'd always tell her i remember like there was another one with dinosaurs in it and i was trying to rope a dinosaur and i got flipped up over it and i'm like well that couldn't be precognitive and then lo and behold, Jurassic Park comes out, we go to see it, and there's this one scene where, you know, the guy gets pulled up and over the dinosaur on a rope, and Christy turns to me all pale. She's like, that looks like your dream. I'm like, yep, <laughs> that's my dream. That is amazing. This is where I get a lot of my, what I call my psychic eye content, is absolutely mining these dreams, because I had learned early on, like you, there is this flavor and you can tap into it. We can push into this. We can absolutely do it. And that's the thing. And another reason why you need to write this book, Preston, anyone can do this. Yes. Dreams are amazing. Every dream, I think, really is a message from your higher self or some higher part of you and has a message. There is... No such thing as a nonsensical dream. Even if elephants are, yeah, if elephants are flying, there's a reason. Yeah, these are symbols. Yeah, and every dream, here's something I found really cool because I was trying to become lucid in the dream state. And that was a tough pill, a tough nut to crack. I couldn't do it for the longest time. And I was trying all these different exercises. 
And what I found out is that every dream has what I call a cue. There is something in that dream that's not right. It's yes. not like reality. Mm -hmm. Your driveway is facing the wrong way. Your couch is the wrong color. You're wearing a shirt you no longer have. Or you see a bicentennial penny. I had that one. That's my cue to wake up. Mm -hmm. Wake up. I picked up that penny. I'm like, oh, I guess they're making these now. <laughs> and I threw it away. <laughs> and so I would always rationalize ridiculous things. I remember I saw someone with three eyes, you know, a third eye. I'm like, well, look at that. That is a very strange mutation. <laughs> so I would rationalize these cues uh, off in some way. And finally learned I had to do really critical thinking and really kind of reality test and look at the dream uh, and actually reality throughout the day. Now I do, now wherever I am, I'm looking for what I would call an, an anomaly. Yes, same here. Because if you see that, then you're probably dreaming. Well, this leads me into something. It's a little bit of a meander, but it's something I've, everyone knows I'm going to ask this of you uh, because I ask it of everyone because I experience it. Reality right now, Preston, is so surreal. There's so much stuff where you're like, that could never happen. We never thought we'd see this kind of a lockdown unless you did see it and all that. And I did, but it's so askew. There are so many cues happening in our apparent reality. How is it that we're not actually dreaming now? I mean, where are you with the craziness in the outer world in within this paradigm of dreaming within a dream yeah i actually am of the belief that reality is essentially dreamlike and it's the same mechanism uh, to create reality that we do in lucid dreaming uh, because I, I got really good at it the lucid dreaming and ended up having full-on out-of-body experiences and going to the other side and meeting my mom and going to higher realms and past lives and healing temples and Akashic library and enlightened masters. And, and I went all out. And what I found is there's a, a place on the other side or in the lucid dream state where you can create reality by just thinking about it. Thought rules in the dream state. What you think is like a laser cannon and will instantly manifest and you can create reality. And I would have great fun with this. Uh, when I first started doing this, I uh, would like create you know, my house and worlds and you know, people and feasts of food and just create, create, create. And uh, started to realize this is what we actually are doing in the waking state. This is how reality is perceived. It's reality in the waking state in the physical world is essentially a hallucination that's internally generated. It's a consensus reality. Uh, but essentially, yeah, we're all, you know, space is an illusion. We're not really moving. We're all very much connected. Uh, time, as we think of it, is completely different on the other side. You can see the future. You can visit the past. Uh, I think reality is a lot more fluid and uh, 
I say this not only because of my own experiences, but because of what I've read with, you know, people, enlightened yogis and enlightened masters who are able to manifest stuff, uh, do it through the dream state. I don't know if you've heard of Milarepa, but he's uh, the sort of yogi Christ of India. And uh, he talked about how he levitated for real. He was very well known for levitating. And he first says he, he learned it in the dream state. And everything that you can do in the dream state will eventually translate into your waking state, uh, which is so cool. Because, <laughs> yeah, um, I'm obsessed with uh, all the psychic stuff. And oh, that's, yeah. that's, you know, doing the lucid dreaming and the out-of-body experiences is what really woke me up psychically. And whenever I would have a lucid dream or an out-of-body experience, I would usually come back with a precognitive dream as well. So... I get a sense, I'm, I'm winding back here a little bit. I get a sense when I was listening to you speak about your mother earlier and how she seeded you with the idea of Castaneda and then passed on and then your experiences seeing her and how vivid and real they were. And then the dream within the dream and the awakening within the awakening. Uh, it feels like she, and since you continue to have a relationship with her, my mother died at that same age and a long time ago as well. And uh, my relationship is, has only grown, but it took a minute to get there. But this feels like she guided you in this direction. Do you, how do you, do you see that? It, I mean, just as an outsider, it really seems like she had a big hand in this. Yeah, I would say so. The very worst event of my life, you know, losing her had a real bright silver lining <laughs> because uh, it changed me. It spiritually transformed me. And uh, she, after visiting me so many times in my dream state, I started to really want to, want to uh, pursue that. And uh, on my terms, because <laughs> she would visit every now and then. I'm like, well, no, I want to visit you. I want to see if there's life after death. I want to know if the, you know, what's going on with reality here. And uh, really, you know, got into lucid dreaming, which transformed into out-of-body experiences. And uh, which are essentially the same thing. Lucid dreaming and out-of-body experiences are kissing cousins. Yeah, they are absolutely. The same thing for the most part. Uh, and uh, what got to the point where I could get out of body. It took a lot of, you know, actually it wasn't that hard, if I'm going to be honest. I've, as soon as I found out about it, you know, I picked up a book by Robert Monroe. Yeah, everyone. And, 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 uh, <laughs> He's done like, a great service to us. And Yeah, he had exercises on how to do it. I'm like, okay, yeah. not sure I believe this. Let's give it a try. Sounds a little scary. <laughs> Let's do it. And, uh, you know, just relaxation, meditation, affirmations, these kinds of things. And I'm going to say it was about two weeks, I started having very lucid episodes. And after about two months, I had my first out of body experience, woke up beside my bed, terrified, in dread, yeah. dread fear that I had died, yep. <laughs> and dived back in because I had this moral terror <laughs> of cold, a cold, clammy, oh, it was awful. <laughs> and woke up immediately and was thrilled. I was ups, I mean, what? 180 degrees, I was so excited. I'm like, this works. And did it a couple of weeks later and got out and 
made it to the bathroom a little farther out of my room across the hallway grabbed the counter i'm like wow i'm doing it i'm actually doing it i looked in the mirror <laughs> nothing there got pulled back in i'm like hey there's someone in my room who the heck is that <laughs> and plopped back into my body and so after that i'm like all right let's do this and i got it to the point where i could get out you know once a week usually on weekends when i could sleep late you know once every couple once or twice a month and just for a few seconds really 30 seconds i get too excited and get pulled back in got it up to a minute and started to learn how to see and how to travel move through walls and it took a whole year really before i got to the point where i could you know leave the house and uh go to you know a friend's house or another city or uh that's when i started to say okay let's find my mom mm. And I'm like, mom, 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 where are you? I'm out of body. Where are you? Mom, 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 mom. <laughs> and I call her and she wouldn't come. I was getting pretty upset. And it was in, I remember I had moved out. I was, must have been about 26 years old at this point. So I've been doing out of body stuff for a couple of years at least. And popped out of body. I'm like, ah, I'm doing it. It's always so thrilling. Mm -hmm. and just breathless excitement and i run out into my living room and i'm always alone you know i've read all the books in this and everyone has spirit guides and i feel gypped because i'm like hey <laughs> where are my guys and uh there would be no one there for me i'd always have to make my own way and i uh, came out into the living room and there was this beautiful black woman and i recognized her i don't know who she was i just knew that i knew her Mm -hmm. and she was lovely and she smiled at me <laughs> and I ran up to hug her and she wouldn't let me. She grabbed my shoulders and spun me around and pushed me through the wall. Oh, there you go. I'm like, I'm like, hey, <laughs> and I popped out in another area and uh, it was a long involved lucid dream. I, and then I'm like, hey, show me my brother, my brother's new house. He was looking for a house and I was taken to this house. I'm like, hey, this could be his house. I wonder if it is all illusion disappear because sometimes you you know project and you right. create little fantasies and all the furniture started disappearing but the house remained i'm like okay i'm gonna have to tell my brother about this i think this might be his house and it, it never ended up coming true but at any rate i flew out of the house i'm like wow i can't believe i'm still conscious i'm not breathing this is amazing <laughs> and i'm like i wonder where my mom is mom 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 mom, mom. and it worked she appeared right in front of me and i cannot express the joy of that reunion mm. and it would be the same as if someone had died and walked into your living room yeah and uh announced their presence and she you know died at 49 she had gray hair wrinkly skin uh, she looked younger than me at that point she looks beautiful she looked 23 <laughs> And by that point, I was starting to lose my hair and all my hair comes back when I'm out of body. It's great. I love it because <laughs> <laughs> I had, you know, I had great hair. It was really wonderful, curly hair <laughs> and uh, it all came back and I'm like, mom, and we hugged and she grabbed me by the hand and she took me to the other side. And uh, it was just this incredible journey we went on. She, we popped out through this barrier into what I would call the heavenly realms. 
-hmm. again i'm not religious but you know those little you've ever seen those checks those are kind of personalized checks with uh, which shows heaven there's a rainbow and jesus yes. and there's all the lions and then yeah. sheep and they're all that's what it reminded me of <laughs> it was the air itself sparkled the flowers had an inner glow that grass had a green to it that i'd never seen on earth and it was stunningly gorgeous and i would challenge the most depressed suicidal person to be sad for a second there because you couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. it the love permeates you and you can feel you know the source of god sort of so to speak and my mom was like looking at me <laughs> and just laughing at my reaction and she, we landed we're walking through this field and, she, and there was a river and she's like watch this and she jumps into the river so i follow her in and the water was so cool because it didn't get you wet but it felt wet and it felt really cool and silky and it was just amazing and she picks up this algae and she throws it at me <laughs> i'm like mom and she picks up some more and hits me straight on in the face i'm like okay it's war <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we started to have this little water fight and then we pulled out of the river and we were perfectly clean and that's what she wanted to show me <laughs> I'm like, wow, this is amazing. She's like, you haven't seen anything yet. Watch this. Takes me up to another higher level, to another realm, I guess. That's the way I perceived it. Almost as if you're out of body and then you go out of that body into yeah. a higher body. Yeah. And it was this really cool crystal realm. And the only way I can describe it is it looked like quartz crystals in every direction sort of plane of cr crystals some as big as a house some mountain sized some like sand but everything's super sparkly and glowing with light and it was so cool and my mom's like looking at me she sits on one of the crystals and she just let, lets me explore and suddenly i can see 360 degrees and i started getting a little uh not dizzy but sort of disoriented and I'm like, wow, this is very strange. She pointed off into the distance and instructed me without words. Everything started to get really telepathic to look in the distance. And I did and I had zoom vision. I could zoom. <laughs> it was so cool. And so that went on for a little while. What else? Did she? Oh, yeah. She points to the ground and says, watch this. And she turned it orange. She turned the crystals orange. And she says, eat it. Go ahead and eat that. <laughs> I'm like... Are you kidding? You know, am I understanding you right? And she's like, yeah, eat it, go ahead. And so I'm like, okay. And I scooped it up <laughs> and I put it in my mouth and it tasted like the orangest orange juice you've ever had. <laughs> oh, wow. And I don't know if you ever had pop rock candy. Yeah, I used to love oh, those. <laughs> it was like that. It started <laughs> popping all over in my mouth, but much more dramatic wise, <laughs> it was like alive in your mouth. And it was just the coolest thing. And I just rolled over laughing. And my mom thought that was the funniest thing, you know, watching my reaction. <laughs> and uh, she took me back to the heavenly realm. We sat down on this park bench. There was other people there. There's little pathways. I've since been there many times and have, have had a number of deaths in the family. And I, that's where I usually meet them, pets too. And uh, 
we talked a little bit. I don't remember some of it. And she wrote in the sky, I love you, I love you, I love you with clouds. Oh. And uh, said, it's time to go. And I'm like, well, no, I'm not going. <laughs> and uh, a, a tunnel opened up and I got pulled into it. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to the near death tunnel. <laughs> this is so cool. <laughs> and it was twisty and windy and really long. And I popped out and I was in another place that was a dream world and i grabbed my dream journal which so this is actually let me make sure i explain this is a dream dream journal yeah yes it's not, not your physical <laughs> dream journal this is my dream dream journal <laughs> and, and i wrote down what just happened because i knew how easy this stuff was to forget i knew from practice that you can forget your dreams yes and yeah. your, your obes really easily <laughs> And I had to go down like four levels. I was getting upset. I'm like, if I have, you know, if I have to go down one more level, I'm gonna forget this. And I woke up and I'm looking around my room and I'm like, I'm, am I awake? Am I awake? <laughs> I think I am, because you, you kind of know when you are. And uh, man, I just could have levitated. I should have tried. I probably could oh, have. Yes. I didn't, and I regret it to this day. Uh, but uh, it was the most amazing thing. Yeah, I called up my brother and my sister. Like, we're going out for breakfast. My treat. We're all getting orange juice. <laughs> so I've got something to tell you. And uh, that was the first time that she took me on a tour of heaven. And it, but it wasn't the last. This is remarkable. I, oh my God, I'm just vibing so hard with this. The so where does okay i have so many questions Gee. where what's the state of your relationship with your mom now i live in two worlds um and i think we all do people think oh you know i don't remember my dreams well you will one day because you're actually conscious on the other side we all are and i talked to my brothers and sisters you know there's another world we live in and it's sometimes very disorienting because I'll wake up there and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, thought you were dead. And then I'm like, oh no, this is the other side. This is the other side. Yeah. And then we talk and the whole family's there. And, uh, you know, doing this a number of times, my mom would look at me and, you know, we would all have just normal family stuff. And we talk and do stuff. And I came up to my brother. I'm like, you know, we're out of body right now. He's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, we're out of body. He's like, oh, yeah, we are. We're in the, the uh, other place. What do you call it? The, I, he had a word for it, which was kind of funny. Dream in between place. Oh, that's and, interesting. Jim Bruton says that too. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, we're out of body right now. And uh, actually, you know, we live on Earth. And I'm explaining it to him. And, and, and I said, well, do you think you'll remember this? And he's like, no, I'm not going to remember this. I'm like, well, what do you mean? I mean, I've just told you, you know, you can remember this. You'll remember this. I'm going to remember this. Why won't you remember this? And we had an argument and he really got really mad at me. I'm like, I'm not going to remember this. So stop telling me. And I woke up, you know, the next day and I called him up. I'm like, so did you have any dreams? No, why? You know, what are you talking about? Because I had an art, you know, I talked with you. Like, Shoot, he didn't remember. So I, tr I tried again. I went to my sister this time. And she said, she says, oh, yeah, you know, we're in the other side. I'm like, yes, we are. You know that, right? And she's like, yeah. 
I'm like, okay, are you going to remember it? No, I don't think I will. I can't. I, I'm like, well, let's try. You know, maybe you could. She's like, okay. And I said, I'm going to create a UFO. And I did, you know, using thought power. And it was a great, I did a great job. You should have seen this UFO. Silver, you know, beautiful colored lights. It was real close. I'm like, isn't that amazing? She's like, wow, that is cool. I'm like, that's a UFO. You'll remember that. She's like, yeah, I think I might. And uh, I'm like, okay, that should work. And woke up the next morning, called her up, nothing, not a darn thing. <laughs> so I sort of gave up on that. <laughs> but yeah, the relationship is amazing. It's really cool. And, you know, I don't do it every night. I know I can go for long stretches without, yeah. you know, any yeah. memory of it. But then it comes back and I'm like, wow. Here we are. It's always a surprise. I, I can't tell you how great it is. I cannot recommend dream work enough. You are missing out if you do not do this. 100%. Could the uh, lack of remembering by your friends and family be indication that it's more of your own construction than real, than their, their dream consciousness being there with you? I don't think so because when you're lucid dreaming or dreaming, you look at people and you can instantly tell whether or not this is a projection, as I would call it, mm -hmm. or a yeah. real person. Okay. And yeah, you can be lucid dreaming and create people and they will be your brothers and sisters sometimes. Uh, and you know that it's not really them. There's a quality of presence. There's a look in their eye. Yes. And right. Okay. Yes. I, cool. I talk about that a lot you can absolutely tell. And for me, it's always something in the eye. Yeah, you look in their eyes and their, their eyes shine and they smile and you just know. There's no mistaking a real person because uh, there's the quality of that presence and it's wonderful. And early on, you know, when I started having out-of-body experiences, I'm like, I might be dreaming because everyone's telling me, oh, you're just dreaming. Even though you know you're not, I mean, it just takes one to do it. And you're like, wow, there is life after death. You can go out of your body. This is real. But I couldn't move objects. I couldn't appear as an apparition in front of people. And believe me, I tried. Uh, but what I finally did was like, I need proof. This is driving me nutty. I need to find some way to prove that this is real. And so I went out of body and I remembered that. Oh, I, okay, this is my goal. Because you're very focused when you're out of body. And if you're not, you can easily slip into a dream. So I would be very goal-oriented. Yeah. I'm like, I'm, I'm going to go meet my mom. You know, I'm going to go to the Kachuk Library. I'm going to learn about a past life. I'm going to go to, you know, this is what I'm going to do this time. And uh, an early goal was to try to move objects. Gave that up, couldn't do it. Uh, or appear in front of somebody, but to get proof. And I popped out about it. I'm like, I need proof. Okay, let's go get proof. And I'm flying around. Going, going farther away from my house, looking for something that I can go while I'm in the physical um, that I haven't seen in the physical. And I was just going away from my condo where I lived at that time. And there's the LA River not too far. And I swooped under this bridge and I saw something which amazed me. It's a complete cement aqueduct, you know, cement river on all three sides. But on one side of it, it was just filled with soil. 
and there was grass growing on it and little plants and there was a seven up can and some bottles i thought well that can't be real that's got to be a projection because there's no way grass can grow on cement there's just no way and i'm like this will be a good thing to check uh, when i woke up i'm like all right you know i'm gonna have my morning coffee and then i'm going for a little drive <laughs> and i drove over there and uh parked and i climbed down and i looked over the edge and there it was and i got it's funny because i got that same feeling i get when i have a lucid or waking lucidity where i walk into a dream that comes true yes but this was different because i was fully you know when you're out of body you're fully awake and for that matter when you're lucid dreaming you're fully awake too i yeah. think yeah but, it's just a tweaking there but yeah, I'm like, wow, there it is. I knew this was real. I already knew it. You know, I don't need to prove it to anyone else because I know. And you yeah. can't prove it to anyone else. It's a very subjective thing. Well, we shouldn't say that because I do know people who have been able to move objects or appear as apparitions. Uh, I, I have actually been able to present. I have tried to present myself to people and I have had that happen. So one time, one time, it was with my ex-husband. Yeah, I learned one guy was doing a show on uh, out-of-body experiences. And I says, you know, I can't move objects. And this guy called him. He's like, oh, here's how you do it. I'm like, Cause, and I knew he was for real because he was saying stuff that, you know, only someone who's had out-of-bodies could really know. We're talking about relaxing. And he says, you can always relax a little bit more. And I'm like, ah, oh, yes, you can. You know, when you're trying mm -hmm. to out-of-body experience, mm -hmm. you can always kind of let go a little bit more. And there were little details he was talking about. And he says, here's how you do it. You pull energy out of your body. You stand next to your body, and you can pull energy out of it. So I haven't tried that yet, but that's See, on my list. This is where I get, I don't have enough, uh, Okay, so for me, this is where I get become afraid. And I've talked about this a lot, where, uh, well, you did the classic thing at first. And I've said this, and I've encountered people that said they didn't experience this, but I thought I was dead the first time it happened. It was like the very first thing. I'm like, <laughs> oh my God, I'm dead. And it jerked me back into my body. But one of the things is in the relaxing and letting go further into the experience is I have this fear mechanism and I don't know where it comes from, Preston. I feel like if I let it go too much, then I will let it, it then I will pass for some reason. I'm <laughs> yeah. not sure how to get past that. I, from an early, I don't know, it must have been an early book I read, but I've somehow read that you know if you're out of your body you can't be hurt you have your golden cord or silver cord it will pull you back there's no danger of possession you won't get lost you know you don't you're not going to get too far away but i have had that i mean i would be like out all night sometimes and it was fine but one time i'm like going you know you, you start to do this a lot and you get pulled to the other side pretty quick that's where all the action is and you can explore earth all you want but the real fun is in the other dimensions and so i always you know I, that's where i always get pulled towards and i'd fly up to this was not too long ago a couple of years and i came to this realm because i'd always wondered you know is there earth you know is the 
because we we have this round planet and i'm thinking well that's not quite what it's like on the other side i don't think there's planets there's bubbles or realms or little possibilities <laughs> yeah and so i landed on this place and the flat earthers would love this because that's what it was like it was this little section of flat earth and I was allowed to explore the very edges <laughs> to where it went to nothingness. And I was flying around. I'm like, this is awesome. And I was super conscious. And I was up there for hours. And I was so far away. And it started to feel so real. But I'm like, you know what? I've got a feeling if I don't go back, I am not going back. <laughs> I might just be up here permanently. Mm -hmm. And I got a little bit of a fear there. <laughs> And so and that pulled me back. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But generally, no, I I go all the way far as I can go. It's so cool. Um, one time I was like, way the way the F out there. Um, and uh, suddenly was realized I, I was kind of awake in bed. I thought, you know what? I think I could open my eyes right now. But I'm way out there on the other side. I'm like, well, let's do an experiment. Let's just open one eye. And I did. And I could see my room. I'm like, wow, I could probably stand up and you know, I'm, I'm like a step away from bilocating here. This is awesome. But it was a little too disorienting for me. And I got pulled back in. But it was a really cool moment. And uh, it got to a point where I'd be like lying in bed. And I thought my eyes were opened. I could see my room. And then it opened my eyes. I'm like, oh, oh my God. I was, my eyes were closed. I, at one point, I convinced myself I had really thin eyelids <laughs> that, and I could see my room through them. And uh, that turned out not to be true. It's just when you're kind of in a pre lucid state and you're meditating, you get this sort of third eye vision and you can see your room. It's the yeah. coolest thing. Yeah. It, Jerry, you look like you had a question there. I totally forgot what it was. I think it was in the flatter section. It was something right before that. Oh, the, you're talking about bubbles. I don't know if that was the same thing. Yeah. The other realms. I, I, I was just going to say, yeah, I totally agree with that. Like the so other planets being bubble, being realms that you can go to, et cetera. Yep. Sorry. Yeah, I don't think it's planetary, but you know, I can't say for sure. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think there's, you know, a million miles between stars out there. And the sky is always different. You know, the sky is always kind of white. There's no, I've never seen stars on the other side. Neither have the astronauts. <laughs> I, I can't say that I have either. And so there's a lot. I encounter so many different stories that, and I keep an open mind with it all that it's hard to, so for here, here's a great example. I had learned about the silver cord my whole life because I've been a, an avid dreamer and lucid dreamer and all this my whole life. And uh, like I said, those were the books that were coming to me when I was very, very young. And I have never seen the silver cord. So everyone swears it's there and all this, but I have personally never seen it and I tell you that I look I'm, I'm like looking for it sometimes I want to feel it and explore it and so I don't know yep. I yeah. feel like a freak sometimes because I don't experience the silver cord me too 
Yeah, there's a percentage of people who don't see that. And it started to really bother me. So that became my goal and I finally did it. It was so cool. I woke up and uh, I'm floating over my bed and I'm like, what the heck is this? It's all, there was this bright glowing kind of fire hose wrapped all around me. Not not quite like a python, but it was you know circulating around me like a crazy yeah. eight. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm like, what's this? What's this? And I'm touching it and feeling it and looking at it. I'm like, and then it done and like, because I'm I felt and I traced it to you know the back of my body, my head or my back. I'm like, oh, this is my silver cord. <laughs> and you know what I did? I dived inside of it. Oh. I went inside of it and I followed it to the end into my head. <laughs> I've never heard of anyone doing this, but this is just what I did on impulse. And I popped out and I'm like, oh my God, I'm in my head. This is my head. <laughs> and it was this giant room and it was oh. very poor, poorly lit. <laughs> it was very poorly lit and filled with junk. Oh. Except it had a really bright <laughs> spotlight in the center, very bright center. And I rushed up to the center. I'm like, oh, this is cool. And it was filled with cool stuff, you know, bottles and shelves and packages and books and just neat stuff. But it was vast and most of it was unexplored and it was mostly filled with junk that needed some cleaning out. <laughs> so it was both symbolic and kind of true at the same time. And wow. uh, I've read about, uh, what do you call them? Multiple personalities. Yeah. And uh they talk about this too, about how you can enter into your head and there's rooms and they do all kinds of out of body stuff too, MPD, dissociative disorder. Yeah. Uh, and uh, they're like, yeah, you can, there's, you can create rooms. And, and I totally resonated with that. And I totally see what they're saying because uh, you can actually do this and it's really cool. This is incredible. I'm going to have to, the image I've always had with the cord is, is this is just my imagery around it. Because like I said, I hadn't experienced it. I've not experienced it. It's very much like the umbilical cord in a womb. And so, and like I've thrown that in one of my videos because it became part of a, a image that needed to be part of that narrative in that video. Uh, that one's called come and see and it's i so if i do experience that i'm going to try this i'm going i'm going to just see if i can hover there and man, i i really have looked for it but i'm going to see if i can let go more and if i can pull in that that idea at least because i want to do the follow it up thing that you've just described now my my curiosity has me with this yeah i've learned some tricks um you know i used to request i'll be like oh take me to meet my mother you know i'd like to meet my mother now i just say i'm going to meet my mother yeah and and i make a command mm -hmm. and like i'm going to area 51 or i'm going to the moon or what have you and that works much better, uh, but still, still I struggle with that. You know, there's all kinds of experiments I want to do. Whenever anyone else would do something, I'd be like, "Hey, I want to do that." Yeah. Um, like I'm, I wonder, do I wear clothes when I'm out of body? <laughs> well, let's check this out. And I popped out of body, and I looked down. I'm like, "Oh, great! I've got my dress <laughs> shoes on, my pants, my <laughs> dress shirt. It was a shirt I no longer owned." 
So yeah, I get dressed up in my good my work clothes to, to do actual travel. <laughs> so, you know, you you said something earlier that is so awesome. I call my my daughter. She's my dog, but I call her every time I'm out. I'm like pill, pill, and if she doesn't come, I become very alarmed. Like when you're <laughs> like mom, 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 and that's how I deal with her. But there have been a couple times she hasn't come, which scares me sometimes because. Other than that, she always comes. And so that telling of your, when that, I don't know, I'm just saying that was very meaningful for me in a sense, because it led you deeper into this experience. Yeah, I love loved seeing my pets. Oh man, our dog Maxine, after she died, I was upset because our parents just dragged them off to the, you know, one day and they were gone. <laughs> uh, they were getting old, but man, you could have told us. Uh, so I was upset and started having uh, out of bodies with her and I'd, she'd be on that other side. And she, she was a very reserved dog. You know, she, she wouldn't give you her paw if she didn't feel like it. It wasn't a licky dog, you know, where, but she ran up to me, gave me her paw and licked me. And mm. that's what she would usually do. And then like the 20th time she comes running up to me and she says, hi, Preston. <laughs> I'm like Maxine you can talk <laughs> oh Maxine and it uh, turned out that is a thing I read this in other accounts because I thought I'm like wow this this dog talks yeah so, very cool yeah the out of body stuff is so much fun I'm like did What's you your... oh I'm sorry carry on yeah yeah one thing I wanted to say is like I wanted to explore my body a little bit so you know, I'd found out what I wear but I wondered like what do I look like naked? <laughs> so I uh, took off my clothes and I'm like, yep, I look pretty good. <laughs> I, look, I look just fine. I'm much younger. Everything looks normal. And Robert Bruce said, if you actually stare at your hands, they'll disappear. And I'm like, well, no, I don't think so. Cause I've looked at my hands. I've turned them over. I've seen, you know, I've got no scars, like, but let's do that. So I popped out of my body and I remembered Robert Bruce's experiment stare at your hands and they'll disappear and i did and he was right <laughs> they slowly faded away and my arms were like stumps and it was alarming at first but too cool to pass up and i they just kind of faded away and then i became this little ball of light i'm like oh all right this is really cool i kind of like having a body but this is fun too <laughs> So all the experiments are so much fun. Saying your name, there's mantras you can say. It's really cool. Ooh, go into that a little. Yeah, I read Uspensky. He's this famous philosopher who said, you can't say your name in a dream state. I'm like, well, you got to be kidding me. You know, I'm sure I can. He says, Challenge no, if you do, accepted. You'll, yeah. <laughs> if you do, you'll wake up or something amazing will happen. I'm like, okay. And I read some other accounts and people did have some really cool stories where, you know, their name would be carved in fire or something. And so I said my name, Preston. Nothing happened. I'm like, Preston Dennett. And uh, the sky, I was transported to this other realm, the sky filled with firecrackers and fireworks and there were shooting stars everywhere. And there was my name in lights and the whole world shook. I'm like, wow. Okay. <laughs> may maybe there's something to that. And did it several times to the point where nothing happens anymore. <laughs> I'm like, all right, I, wear, I wore it out. <laughs> but there's this other mantra. I have to tell you this. This I got from this 
guy, Samael Ion Wior, who is a spiritual guru kind of guy from Mexico, who's written a series of books and has these methods to become enlightened. And he says, it's all about going out of body. I'm like, all right, I'm attracted to this. And I went to some classes with a little group and I read his books. And uh, he has this mantra, which is so ridiculous. <laughs> it's, uh, let me see if I can get this. Rayom, Gayom, Om, Bor, Bu, Mama, Papa. No, Rayom, R-A-O-M. Gayom, Om, Bor, Bu, Mama, Papa. And if you say these words, according to Samael, in the dream state, something amazing will happen. And uh, the guy who was teaching this class wouldn't say what happens. He says, you'll just have to do it yourself. I'm like, okay. And this was a, this was a big ask because that's a long phrase to remember while you're out of body or in the dream state. And uh, I did it. I finally, like, I think I was lucid dreaming. And uh, I remembered and I transposed it. I think I've said Gaom first instead of Rayom, but didn't matter because I got about halfway through it. And the most amazing thing happened. I stayed up all night. I had about 12 dreams and they all started playing out simultaneously. It was the craziest thing. And I'm watching them because, you know, it's all about remembering. And I'm like, okay, yeah. this, there's this dream. I got to remember that one. But this one's more interesting. Oh, look at this one. Oh, my God. And uh, I remembered like seven of them. I, but man, that was the most amazing experience. And I've had worked with that several times and it's always really cool. It's definitely something people should try. Okay, so what is that again? Rayom. Yeah, R-A-O-M. Um, then Gaom, spelled the same. Then Om, like the meditation. Bor, B-O-U-R. Bu, B-U. Mama, Papa. <laughs> when I first heard that, I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Uh, but now I pop out of my body and I'm like, Ray, and boom, the whole world starts shaking. And I'm like, Wow. And one time I popped out of body and I came into my living room and I just repeated that mantra over and over and over until the whole world just shook apart. It had such power to it. It is very strange. I'm not sure what it is. but It's I'm, incredible. What, what is this guy's name? Uh, he's actually really well known. Samael uh, Eon Weor, W-E-O-R. And he's just kind of this Mexican uh, enlightened master, I guess you might call it, who achieved enlightenment and had this method that he wanted to teach everyone else how to become enlightened. And it was all about leaving your body. And hmm. I thought that was really cool. And uh, it's it's got some really strong religious overtones to it. Uh, but it definitely was you know, interesting to try the mantra. <laughs> Got to try the mantra. It's so it's amazing. I'm gonna try the mantra. I don't I don't mind religious overtones at all. I have no knee jerk to any of that. That is incredible. What, Jer? Uh, when when do you do this? When you're in your dream state or before you sleep or what? No, you have to be in the dream state, lucid dreaming or out of body. Okay. Uh, or, or it doesn't work. Uh, but it definitely works when you're out of body. I can't wait. I'm going to try it tonight. Me too. I was, I, all these experiments I wanted to do.
Um, one was like, you know, if you're right next to your body, you, you get pulled right back in. Yeah. There's a strong magnetic force. Like that jerk. Yeah. And so what I would do is I'd pop out of body and I'd stand right next to my bed. And it was tough because there is this magnet that wants to pull you back in. Yes. And I'd walk around my bed. I'm like, all right, I'm playing with this. And I got it. So I could, I, it won't pull, pull me back in. And another time I'm like, I'm tired. I'm thinking I'm going to go to bed. And I laid down and all of a sudden I felt the vibr vibrations, the vibratory state. Yeah. And I'm like, my eyes are open. <laughs> you know, I haven't even come to bed. I think, oh my God, I'm going. And I kept my eyes open. And this is not something I've only done once because that was scary. That was. Because usually, you know, you're kind of ready for it. And uh, got pulled out of my body with my eyes wide open. <laughs> and it was the strangest thing because suddenly, you know, you can see your room shrouded in darkness to a certain extent with the light under the door and, you know, coming in through the window. But as soon as I popped out of body, I could, there's a weird silvery outline to everything when I'm out of body, at least. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, wow, that was the coolest thing ever. <laughs> so that, that was another real big step for me. Just boom, out of body without any effort. Interesting. Yeah, I've done a lot of poetry on the way it looks for me with that silvery outline. And it's funny who gets that and who doesn't, you know, in some of my poems. Uh, oh, I think you're my favorite for dream content. You are my favorite person. <laughs> <It's been laughs> amazing. So <clears throat> I don't even know. Okay, so I want to get into I want to get into a little bit of woo and darkness. So in in your travels, when you encounter other so whatever they be and since you being you the whole et thing the whole all this stuff tied in how does all that play out for you when you're out of body uh well it does influence my decisions you know in my travels to a certain extent um, i wanted to see aliens out of bodies so that was a something i wanted to do the first one was not super satisfactory uh E.T. appeared, but it didn't look like something I would expect. It was kind of this dog, horse-faced creature with whose knees bent backwards. And I sort of had the sense that I was projecting or creating it. Sounds goetic. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It was a little weird. But then one time, not too long ago, I'm you know out of body and I'm trying to get to the other side, uh, which sometimes is not as easy as others. I get caught in this lower realms and these foggy realms or trying to get to the, what I would call the heavenly realms, which is where it sort of starts for me in terms of like the other side, which is not true at all, but that's where I like to be. And uh, saw someone up ahead of me. It's this really foggy place, just endless fog. And I'm like, huh, that looks like two dark eyes. And I'm getting closer and closer. And as I zoomed up right next to it, it was a gray, a gray alien. And it was just two feet away. And it stared at me and swiveled its head as I whizzed by. And my heart jumped into my throat for just a second when I saw how close he was. I'm like, wow, that was a gray. And uh, I, I surprised him. I saw 
eyes, I guess, get a little wider. And I uh, just kept going. Uh, and it recognized you. I mean, it saw you as well. Obviously, because yeah. it's had so there was that recognition and you knew it was other. It wasn't you. Yeah. And there's been a few things like that. Here's one I don't normally tell people, but I'll tell you. Uh, I was in bed and uh, very lucid. And anyone I'm sure would have thought I was asleep. I'm, I'm sure they would have thought I was asleep because I was, but my mind was awake and I could, I was awake. Uh, it's hard, you know, it's, it's an enigma, but you get it. You know, you can be both asleep and awake at the same time. And uh, suddenly I felt a cat walk across my bed. And I thought, well, that's odd because I don't have a cat. And what is that? And so uh, I just opened my eyes. And, you know, I sleep on my side. And I was looking to the right of my bed and I could have sworn I saw something standing next to my bed. A little skinny gray thing. And it looked almost like a pole. And I couldn't see any head or body. Or, I mean, I saw something. But this thing darted out of my room so fast, like a firecracker, like, that I couldn't believe anything human could move like that. And as a UFO researcher, I've recognized that as you know movement that's described by other experiencers in terms of how a gray might move. They dart around sometimes. And my heart went thump, 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 thump. And I got really scared for a second. And I rolled over and went back to, you know, like, ah, I'm going to roll over and I'm going to go to sleep, which is contrary to what you think you would do, but is absolutely what often happens when someone is visited by an ET. <laughs> so to this day, I wonder about that experience. Um, I don't know. I can't say that I was visited or not, but I wonder. Yeah. The, you know, going back to like spirit guides, that was another thing that bothered me. Like Robert Monroe has his buddy, he takes him everywhere. And my mom will appear infrequently, but I had like nobody. And I'm like, this is, you know, and I'm doing all this stuff. And I'm like, finally, I read, read somewhere like, oh, your spirit guide is actually behind you and guiding you. And if you just turn around, you'll see them. I'm like, well, I don't think so, but I'll give it a try. And I popped out of body and I'm flying down my home road, you know, this is Cheney Drive. And I remembered, I'm like, oh, maybe I have a spirit guide. And so I whirled around and there was a coyote <laughs> stalking oh. me. <laughs> and I got an instant impression. Impressions are a big deal out of body. Yes. Um, and you have to really be sensitive to them. And so if you get an impression, believe it and follow it. Yeah. And my, my impression was this was a spirit guide and he was a Native American, uh, kind of in trickster form, a shaman. And uh, I'm all in, I've got all the books on shamanism. So I really resonate with Native American culture, had some past life recall uh, with dreams uh, and out of body stuff. And one was definitely Native American. And I did that several times and it was always this darn coyote <laughs> and I couldn't get a word out of him or anything, but kind of this, ha, 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 this kind of thing. I'm like, all right, fine. You know, stalk me, you, watch me, whatever you want. <laughs> uh, but it would be nice if you introduce yourself once in a while. But no, I'm, I'm up there on my own for the most part. 
That's interesting. I too have, I mean, I guess I need to turn around because I'm always on my own as well. And I don't know, sometimes what I've wondered is because I've always been on my own in this life. And, um, and that's been like a, a running theme. And I wonder sometimes if that's just carryover, if that's how I am. Uh, I feel very fine with it. Like it's not a sad thing or melancholy at all. But I have been curious about people talk about their spirit guides and all this. Now there have been, I have reoccurring people that come around that I don't associate from my life as niche here in this, where my body's attached. Uh, yeah, your, your other side friends. So cool. Yeah. Yes, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> they really are. I was wondering also with, so some of my experience with some of the, I just recently encountered some what I call hybrids, but they're hybrids that are amongst us here in this realm, in this outer world. Uh, and they're the ones that I've been seeing around in my life, period but they have really great lace wigs and normal clothing. But if you strip all that off, you see that general form, those oval faces that are ironically thrown into the modern culture as a, the, the face of beauty is always like the oval face. Eileen Ford really pushed that. Uh, it, it's, it's just interesting that that also finds finds a place in the hybrid world and in the gray world and this general kind of skinny body. And so I'd encountered these three recently in an experience I was having and they had, uh, like I said, they had stripped off their lace wigs. I say lace wigs because they look so, lace wigs look like hair growing out of your head in real life. Uh, and and clothing and they were doing work and they just couldn't be bothered by anything and they were of normal skin tone so they weren't they're hybrids so they had normal human skin tones of varying shades and they were not even bothered by my presence at all they just continued on task and i thought isn't this odd it, isn't this odd it's like i didn't they weren't threatening I wasn't a threat to their presence, but they were doing some very, what felt like interesting stuff with stuff coming up out of the water. And so they were projecting or whatever they were doing with this tech was bringing up this, brought up this water dome, waterfall, wall of water. And it got me to thinking about, again, where is this line of, reality where's the reality base here because i'm always testing it as well oftentimes i'll throw up a piece of paper and see if it stays you know what i'm saying <laughs> yep. and, and i'm always testing like what is where am i because of the awakenings and the the dream within the dream experience that gets me confused sometimes so with that what i'm getting at is how do you parse through and seeping, sifting through data you get from people and your own personal experience? What are experiences that you've been inducted into from other intelligences versus uh, 
just participating in a scenario or a scene, being part of a scene, I guess, where it's not really an abduction, you're just there too. Um, you know, I'm not sure I've had a whole lot of experience with that, um, interestingly enough, because, uh, I mean, I have seen ETs on other occasions. In fact, just recently, I've had two very strange dreams with this eight-foot-tall gentleman. Ooh, give us and, some of that and, uh, first. Because uh, I have this UFO obsession. Yes, it's in my family. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've, I have family members who've had very intense experiences. I personally have had a lot of sightings. I know there's a UFO connection. Uh, I've had some interactive sightings with telepathy where they've kind of talked to me. I, so I know there's contact on some level. And it's frustrating because I don't have memories of being on board a UFO. Not, mm -hmm. like, not like the people I've interviewed. Yeah. Uh, but occasionally I'll be on board a UFO in the dream state. I remember one time I'd read this book by this contactee and they're like, oh yeah, you can meet our aliens. All you have to do is meditate on it. The andromes, they called. And so I'm like, all right, let's do this. And uh, I suddenly, you know, I would concentrate on that each night and woke up and there they were. I recognized them immediately. They looked very much like greys. I was in this room and I sat down across from them from the table and they're like, you wanted to meet us telepathically is kind of what they sent. And I said, yeah. And they're like, here we are. And I'm like, okay. And then they put me to sleep and I'm like, you're not putting me to sleep. And I'd fought for consciousness and they were much more powerful than I was. And they put me to sleep in the dream state and woke me up, but it was cool. But most recently in the past week or two, I had this dream with this eight foot tall gentleman and I was in this weird room and there was workshops going on. It was a very spiritual environment and felt really nice. And this eight foot tall guy walks up to me and I'm like, holy cow, look at you. And I couldn't see his face. It was uh, kind of eluding me. And that's something I hear a lot with contactees, by the way. And he showed me how he could walk through solid objects and he radiated intelligence and spirituality. Uh, sometimes I'll pop out about him and I'll be like, I want to meet an enlightened master. And I've been successful on a, at least two occasions or what I would consider successful. And this felt like that. I felt like a little kid next to this guy. I'm like, oh, you're so cool. How will I know you? How will I ever recognize you? He says, you'll know me because you'll have to look up hmm. um, physically, you know, not like look up to me, but look up. Like, right. Oh, okay. That seems a kind of an odd thing to say, but whatever. And uh, I woke up and I'm like, hmm, that almost felt ET-ish in a weird way. And it was a couple of days later. And mind you, I'm going out in my backyard these days, meditating and shaking my fist at the sky. I'm, take me, take me. <laughs> I've written books for you. It's the least you can do. <laughs> And I will get exciting every now and then when I do that. You know, a light will appear. I'll be like, wow, it works. So uh, that's what I've been doing. And I did get a light on November, let me see, September 4th. This light appeared. And I'm like, wow. And it wasn't a shooting star. You know, I took all kinds of astronomy classes. And I know my astronomy. 
And this was not a shooting star or a satellite or a plane or a helicopter or anything that I could relate to and get a feeling from these things. And so I got that flash of, hello, it's us, you know, be patient. And it was just two days ago, I had another one of these dreams and I'm in this weird room. My first thought was hotel room. I'm like, but this doesn't look like a hotel room. The walls are all gray and there's, they're rounded at the edges. And I thought, ooh, you know, rounded edges. I know what that means. <laughs> and uh, I'm kind of looking around and it was, there's nothing in it. And, and I'm not quite putting it together, but it's the perfect description of the interior of a UFO. There's a little table there. There was a woman who I couldn't quite make out. I thought maybe it was my mom. And I'm like, no, does that look like Fran Drescher? <laughs> that Fran Dr <laughs> so I've all kind that's my cue. You know, I have a cue of famous people. And every dream I have, there's some famous person. I don't know what the heck is going on with that. But that's something that happens to me for whatever reason. So I'm looking at her, I'm like, that looks like Fran Drescher. And she had, by the way, possibly reported a UFO abduction. So that was another weird clue. And then up walks this, uh, I started walking around exploring. And I was going to go into the next room, which I had a feeling I really wasn't supposed to do. But I went anyway, because, you know, just I'm, I'm harmless. I'm not going to touch anything. And I was looking outside. I could see through the walls outside into water. And that was another cue. These are all very consistent descriptions of what people describe when they're inside of a UFO. And I just wasn't picking up on it until I, you know, afterwards when I woke up, but this seven or eight foot tall guy walks up to me and I recognized him. It was this guy who's wearing white clothes, which aren't quite normal. They're a weird texture, but you know, kind of cloth, kind of not. And I could see his face this time and it was a normal face for the most part. Eyes are always different with these ETs and there was something there, um, but very white, white skin. And he radiated this intelligence and it was so cool. And, and I looked up to him and that's when I recognized him because I'm looking up at him. And uh, gosh, what did I say? I'm like, where's the heater? <laughs> where's the heater? And uh, he showed it to me. And that was basically it. And I was talking to a contactee. I'm like, this is what happened to me. She's like, oh, the heater. That's the engine room he was showing you. You just misinterpreted it. I'm like, oh, well, that would make sense. <laughs> So that is how, I, you know, I've had some ET involvement and I can feel they're guiding me. I do feel it. Uh, but I don't know. I don't know what my relationship is with the ETs. What is, okay. And so just kind of, I know we're getting close to the end here. I wanted to, before we have questions from people, what is... What have you been dreaming that possibly we could take to the precog level of future stuff since there's so much craziness going on? What have you been seeing? Have you been seeing anything moving forward? No. My precog dreams usually happen the next day. The most recent one was about four days ago, and I dreamt I was in an apocalypse <laughs> maybe this is about, <laughs> maybe this is because, uh, hello <laughs> and the world had essentially fallen apart and i was with this person trying to head north up the coastline and the 
the mainland, you know, on land, it was just such a mess and so dangerous. We were walking in the water up the coast. Yes. And I came, we came upon great, this area where there were grapefruits <laughs> flooding the water, the ocean, and about, you know, a thousand, 10,000 grapefruits. You could smell them. They were beautiful. And I'm like, wow, we're swimming through grapefruits. This is so odd. This feels like another world. And uh, I woke up and I thought, oh, this feels like a precognitive dream mm -hmm. because it was just so odd. And I, it related to nothing. And I'm like, well, I don't know how this can come true, but I have a feeling I'm going to see a grapefruit today. And I'm not going out. I'm staying home all day. I'm not even opening the door. So we'll see how this rolls out. <laughs> and, but tur turned on the TV and often it'll be a news story. Yeah. And uh, I'm like, well, nothing there. And I turned on my computer and I checked my emails. And it was the first email and there was a big grapefruit. <laughs> <laughs> and it says grapefruit. It's the most unusual fruit. And here's why. And who knew <laughs> that grapefruits were this fascinating? They kind of appeared magically a couple hundred years ago. No one knows quite where they came from. And they've got this very peculiar property with medicine. Don't take grapefruit if you're taking any kind of medication because it will amplify it to the point where it can become fatal. And I never knew this. No, that's interesting. It's a vitamin K thing, right? Um, it's, I don't know exactly what it is. It's some chemical in there yeah um but i looked it up in the other sources and talked to some people and they're like oh yeah i'm not allowed to have grapefruit juice i'm like well this is good to know you know i'm not on <laughs> yeah. medication but uh, <laughs> if you could die but that's yeah, you a lot of my precognitive stuff it's like animals or you know, sh shipwrecks if there's a shipwreck i'll Anything that affects me, I will usually dream about it first. Someone yeah. gives me a gift or someone gets a haircut or if I'm getting an unusual visitor or I'm like, once I saw this horse was drowning. I'm like, oh, this is the saddest thing. And I had its name and everything. And there are people surrounding it, holding its head up, it was stuck in this little puddle. And I woke up, I'm like, this is going to come true. I don't even want to turn on the news. And I turned on the news and there it was. And uh, the horse lived, so I'm like really happy. <laughs> but it was so perfect. I mean, I had the every detail. Yeah, when with the one with the water. So the water was inland, right? Uh, no, it was the ocean, and it was the. You know, now that you mention it, I hadn't even thought it was just the east coast, up towards Maine, I guess. Ooh, yeah. I have a fr I have a friend up there. She's been wanting me to visit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I hadn't even thought of that. Uh, because that ties into my latest one, where like, significantly I was talking about that on my Revolution radio show this weekend. And so that I just find that interesting. We'll see what happens with that. Yeah, before the pandemic hit, I was in January, I started to get really depressed. And I'm an emotional guy. You know, sometimes Earth gets to me because I get homesick for the other side. No, that's the worst danger. I think if anyone's going to do this, that's the thing you got to watch out for. You will miss going there. And I just started getting really depressed. And I'm like, you know what? This feels like the kind of depression I get when someone dies. Because I had that when my you know, friend's father died. And occasionally I'd get this feeling of like, oh, someone's going to pass. 
and uh, it was crushing. I'm like, well, gosh, I just don't, I'm not, I follow it. You know, I lean into it, like you said, and you can usually follow it to a person or a group. And this was just everything and everywhere. I'm like, something bad's coming. <laughs> and, and, I, and I'm like, How, do I have water? You know, I'm a little <laughs> bit of a survivalist. Yeah, it's wise to be. And uh, bought up on everything except toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> So I oh, was dear. almost prepared. Uh, yeah, I was out down to my last square by the time toilet paper became available. <laughs> this is craziness, the toilet paper. <laughs> I want so Jerry, do you have questions? I can't imagine you don't. I have two. Oh, cool. Yes, only two. All right, so the first one was uh what do you always wish you've dreamt of but haven't? <laughs> I have tried, you know, I'm not religious, but I've tried to see Jesus. Mm. So I, I called out for him like I did with my mom. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus Christ, our Lord Savior. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it, that hasn't happened. Very and, interesting. Uh, I want to go to other planets, and I haven't been able to do that, but I did make it to the moon. And that was so awesome. <laughs> no one will ever believe me, but I did it. And I know... Robert Monroe talked about doing it, and so that's how I got the idea. What was there? What did it? What was it? Oh, it was so cool! I popped out of body. It was still dark. I saw the moon. It was full. I'm like, "All right, let's go there." I'm like, "To the moon!" <laughs> and it was taking a long time. I'm like, "Boy, you better go faster because I've got five minutes <laughs> where I can stay awake." And it sped up, and I, you know, you kind of get to the point where you can teleport. Honestly. You don't travel the same way. You just blink and you're at your location. Yeah. And I'm coming in for a landing and I landed on the moon. I was, I'm always excited. When, who am I kidding? But I was so excited that time. I'm like, I'm walking on the moon. And there was just dust and craters and it was beautiful, just stark. And then I saw a dome. And I thought, oh, look at that. That is man-made. That is human-made. That's artificial. <laughs> and if you look into the moon, there are, um, objects on the moon. Uh, I've interviewed people firsthand. I've researched. I've got books. I'm going to write a book on this. There are UFOs. There's all kinds of artifacts, structures on the moon. And I'm like, this could be one of them. And for, for that matter, active moon bases with humans in them, mm -hmm. according to uh, government whistleblowers. I don't know if that's true. It's the fringe edge of UFO research, but here I am out of body. So I <laughs> dived into I dived into this dome and I got so upset. It was humans in there and it was two long rows. It was a rather long room uh, with tables and experiments with animals on them. And they were doing genetic experiments. Oh my. And, I was having, and I was so upset. I was having trouble focusing. I started to phase in and out. So I rushed up to one of the tables and I focused on it and I saw a horrific, you know, vivisection. And I got pissed off <laughs> and I did my best to destroy the place, uh, which kind of pulled me out of it, I think. So I'm knocking over tables, which I don't think I was really doing. I don't know, you know, what quite happened towards the end of that, <laughs> but uh, I lost it. Yeah, I was very angry. Uh, you've heard the story about Ingo Swan remote viewing the moon, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
They they yeah. they noticed him. That was what I was going to bring up. So maybe you got noticed too. Yeah, one time I'm like, let's go to Area 51. This should be fun. Because <laughs> I heard other people who had done that, and I did it. Darned if I didn't do it. And I was about to go in there, and when I thought, oh, the aliens might notice me, because they noticed the other people who went there. Mm. And I got a flash of fear, and that pulled me back. Mm. But I ended up going back in a dream state. And I think it was actually an out-of-body, but I remembered it as a dream. And it was terrible. <laughs> oh, what an awful place. <laughs> it's military, you know. That yeah, just begs a question. So when you're you're out of body and you're experiencing these these moon labs, um, where is that space? Is that is that physicality on the moon? Is that astral realm of the moon? Is it a fourth, the quote unquote fourth dimension? You know, what do you, I'm curious what yeah. your opinion is of where you actually were. Physical. I'm going to say I was physical, but it's tricky because you can pop out of your body. And once the second you're out of your body, I think, and I can't prove this, that you're actually in another dimension and it's not the physical world. It's a duplicate of it, okay. or it's an it's yeah. echo or a, it's inextric inextricable from it. Okay. It's like a fractal. Uh, but it's part of it. And I feel like, yeah, I, you know, I wasn't on the other side or an interdimensional side of the moon because you can go to the other side and see all kinds of stuff. Right. Uh, but no, that I felt was physical. But okay. yeah, sometimes I'll pop out of body and there's like, I remember once I popped out of my body and ran outside of my house and there was some ghosts there, <laughs> some evil dudes who were murderers. <laughs> I mean, I knew it instantly. These were guys who had died and were terrible people still on earth and you know you're supposed to project love and i'm like nope i am going back <laughs> in my body Sayonara. these guys made a beeline for me they were going to harass me and i'm like okay. i'm not having it no so i i fled <clears throat> have you ever seen that movie um the frighteners um i think i i'm not a huge fan of horror it's, but it's i not... dig it is kind of a horror movie, but it's more of a comedy. I may have. Um, it's an old Peter Jackson movie with Michael J. Fox, and he can see ghosts while he's awake. I don't remember seeing that. I would have, yeah, Michael J. Fox, no. I don't think I've seen it. You might enjoy it. Just check it out sometime. All right, I got one more question. Um, how do your experiences correlate to what you read in the Castaneda series? Oh, um, well, I would say vastly different. Um, I loved the Carlos Castaneda books. I thought he was the bomb until yeah. I read a, another book where it turns out he plagiarized a lot of it. <laughs> That's the drama around it. And uh, no doubt, I mean, one of his teachers was the guy who said, you know, five plus two equals six and would convince crowds of people to answer six and then had the skeptic actually change his answer. <laughs> So he would like bend reality. He was a trickster guy. And I appreciate it, what he did. But uh, a lot of you know what was written there is not what I experienced, uh, really. Uh, but there, there was a certain shamanistic element. And I do feel like Carlos Castaneda probably did meet a Don Juan type character and had some really amazing experiences with him. Uh, but yeah, I credit Carlos for uh, initiating my sort of 
pathway towards enlightenment. So I'll give him that. <laughs> but uh, didn't I, I kind of, I don't know. I'm a little mad at him because uh, I, I read some passages from Patricia, or, what, or gosh, was it not Patricia Garfield? That's a dream lady. Uh, another sh shaman uh, lady who he played, he plagiarized her word for word several times. Hmm. I'm like, you dude, <laughs> that's uncool. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of that drama, and he lost a lot. I mean, the you know people that were paying attention to it for me still sometimes it's like the messenger in his case doesn't matter so much as some of the enjoying the stories or just what they are and you know the hand technique has always been a very good one for me and even the dream walking was has been a little bit fruitful as well yeah i like the australian you know the aboriginal the dream time yes yeah and I really resonated with that. But I started to, I had to call it for past lives. I don't know if you've ever done this, but take me to a past life. It's the funnest but weirdest thing because usually what happens, at least for me, is they take you to the death scene. <laughs> They'll take you to whatever is most traumatic, whatever you're carrying over, whatever phobia. So there I am being you know, slaughtered <laughs> over and over again, or, you know, eaten by a lion or uh, killed in the Holocaust. Or, one was, you know, I freed myself as a slave. That, so that wasn't a death scene, but it was definitely traumatic. Uh, one was a yeah. Native American spirit walk. Uh, one was being killed in a shipwreck. So there's that. One was oh. being ra raped and killed. I pulled myself yeah. out of that one because I, I'm like, all right, take me to past life. And suddenly I'm a woman about to be raped and killed. I can see the guy. And I'm like, you know what? No, <laughs> skip this one. Skip <laughs> this. <laughs> and I did my technique to get back, which is wiggling your toes and fingers and opening and closing your eyes. That's your technique. Yeah, usually fear will do it. All I need is just yeah. the slightest emotion. The trick is fear. staying out, not getting yeah. back. <laughs> yes, that's what I always say. Fear get fear does it for me every single time. Yeah, works like a charm. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. <laughs> I got one more question. So I wanted to know uh, your thoughts on Diane Pasolka and it like is she a worthy worthy successor of LA? Um Diane Pasolka? Why does that Shaka? name sound familiar? She wrote a book um, called oh. American Oh yeah. American Catholic. Yeah, I know I forgot what it was called. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, she, I feel like she's approaching it from a pretty skeptical angle, but yeah, it's got some really cool stuff yeah, in it. Absolutely. Um, I try not to comment on other researchers because it can get sure. very uh, controversial. And there are some people, out, researchers out there who are on my naughty list. I'm like, you guys are disinformation artists. I, I, I know, know two of them right to. off the bat. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, that is just disingenuous and terrible. And how could you? Yeah. Um, like some of these Roswell guys who purport to be researchers. I'm like, you are just out of your mind. Yeah. Backtracking on Roswell when they know it's full on real. Right. Uh, so, yeah, some of these guys are definitely on my naughty list for sure. Yeah, there's some definitely naughty boys and I, girls in yeah. the scene. I, I don't consider Diane Pasolka to be in that group. No, no. She's, She's got a good energy. Definitely. 
That's all I got. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. It's been a great conversation. And it's been great talking to you. Oh, uh, did you want to plug anything before we let you go? Oh, yeah. I mean, if you want to visit my website or contact me, if you've got a story to share, a comment or whatever, I love hearing from people. My website's PrestonDennett.Weebly.com. Got all my books there. And uh, you can contact me through there. Got a YouTube channel, which is I'm having all kinds of fun with. Yes. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. And the only thing I would tell people is if you have never done this lucid dreaming out of body stuff, do it. Don't <laughs> waste another day. You you can thank me later, but <laughs> do it now because you will love it. I mean, you can fulfill any fantasy. You can eat any food you want, have you know, sexual fantasies. You can travel to other worlds. You can do, you know, meet your deceased loved ones, meet enlightened beings, visit healing temples, learn about your past lives. The stuff you can do is insane. I cannot believe this is more, not more popular. I agree. And we all can do it. This is all within everyone's reach. Yes, it's a natural human talent. We're all doing it every night. You must remember. Remember that's your dreams. The key. That's the key, <laughs> the silver key. Preston, you have been, I'm, I'm crowning you my favorite, favorite, favorite <laughs> Knox Mente guest. And we have an impressive list of people. But, and I say that in Noxente because this show is about dreams and consciousness and all this stuff. And you brought everything to the table. Absolutely amazing. Thank you. What an oh, honor. Yes. Oh, shucks. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> and thanks everyone for listening. I put all the Preston's links in the show description and they're in the show notes on our Discord server. Uh, what else did I want to say about? Oh, I'm going to be at Flattoberfest this weekend in Greenville. So if anyone wants to meet up, send me an email. Whatever. We'll, we'll have a drink. We'll have a beer at Flattoberfest. Will Alex be there? Don't think so. <laughs> That'd be a hoot. But uh, Jason Lindgren's going to be there. Okay. And Freeman and Mike Williams. Oh, nice. Yeah, so definitely going to hook up with those guys. Anyway, so thanks so much for listening. Uh, next week we have, I don't know how to pronounce her name, Navier Alora. Navier, yeah, something like that. She's fabulous. She's been on Lighting the Void quite a few times. Okay. Yeah, she, in fact, has a Lighting the Void t-shirt on in our thumbnail. So. Yeah, she's right. fabulous. Great. So thanks, everyone, for listening. Thank you, Nish. Thank you, Preston, once again. And we will see you all next week. Have a great week. Thank you, everyone. Sweet dreams.